well, I said it in the first service, and I'll say it again. Um, my heart is very full right now, and um, thinking over the last year, it uh, could have gone a lot worse, and uh, it was hard, but there were so many people in this church who had us into their homes and uh, cried with us and supported us and encouraged us, and um, I won't start naming names um, because I know I would leave people out, and I don't want to do that. Um, so just from, from me and from Lauren, I, I want to thank you as Redemption Parker, as a church, for being uh, just so encouraging and, and uplifting for us. And uh, it, it's been a, it is a great church home, and we are very thankful to all of you. Um, but enough about me. Uh, this is about the Lord and what he is doing uh, in our church. And so if you would, open in your Bibles with me to Matthew 28. It's at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. I'll read uh, the passage, uh, pray for us, and then, and then we'll continue. So Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when, he, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Lord, we ask that you would bless our time in your word. We ask that by your spirit you would open our eyes and our hearts to behold Jesus. Make him big in our eyes. Raise our affections for him and for his mission. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So like Mark said, uh, Lauren and I have now been here for one year. This week is actually our one-year anniversary of being in Colorado. And so uh, we drove out of Birmingham. We left on February 14th, and we arrived here. Uh, we left on February 13th, and we arrived here on February 14th on Valentine's Day. And so my Valentine's Day gift to Lauren was getting her out of Kansas. And it's probably going to be hard to ever top that. Um, sorry if you're from Kansas. It was just a, a long stretch on the, uh, on the end of a 20-hour drive. Uh, but, but coming from Birmingham and coming from the church that I grew up in, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, what we just read, uh, these verses were plastered everywhere in this church. You know, like, like a lot of you know, Baptist churches in the South, they are very missions-minded. And so this was our church verse. You, you couldn't look anywhere without seeing it. It was plastered on the walls in the lobby, uh, on you know, any t-shirts that we would have, on you know, mission trips that we would go on. Uh, you know, when growing up as a kid, when we would leave Sunday school, our teacher would read these verses as, as a benediction, you know, saying, uh, you have now been taught the word, and now as you go into your schools, go into your neighborhoods, go into your jobs, do it with a sense of evangelism. That was just always uh, on our mouths and, and in our minds, just how can I engage the world with the gospel? And since moving to Colorado and joining Redemption Parker as the church planting resident and looking and working towards eventually planting another gospel-centered church, uh, my, my understanding of the Great Commission has, has grown a little bit. It, it's expanded a little bit. And what I mean by that is I used to understand the Great Commission in a, only an individualistic sense. 
I thought it was a call to personal, individual evangelism, and that's it. So I thought, you know, this person would share the gospel with someone, and I would share the gospel with someone, and this person over here would share the gospel with someone, and that through all of our individual efforts, eventually the Great Commission would be fulfilled. And and what I've come to believe and what I hope uh, to show us today is that the Great Commission is not less than that kind of personal individual evangelism, but it is more. And if we are going to fully obey the Great Commission, then we must be committed to the church and to planting churches. And so if I were going to give this sermon a title, it would be Church Planting, God's Plan. So shout out Drake, shout out Brad Dugas, and to the only kids that got that reference. Um, Drake is a rap artist. He has a, a song called God's Plan. So there you go. So church planting God's plan. And in order to unpack that a little bit, let, let me ask you this question. In response to the Great Commission, what did the disciples do? When Jesus told them to go, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach, how did the disciples apply that? How did they respond? When you get to the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the Apostles, it is their response to the Great Commission, what we see is that they planted churches. When you look in Acts 2 at the sermon at Pentecost, uh, Peter preached a sermon of repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and through the work of the Spirit, 3,000 people were added to their number. Well, added to what? They were added to the number of believers that were gathered in Jerusalem. They were added to that local church. When you read chapters 11 through 14 of the book of Acts, you see that Barnabas and Paul visited three cities. They went to Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And so Barnabas, he started out in Antioch. He was helping with a church planting project. He did work there. And then later he recruited Paul, and they went to Iconium. And they preached and they evangelized in such a way that many believed. After they'd been there for about a year, then Paul and Barnabas went to Lystra, and they kept evangelizing. So they were on the, the missions, the evangelism trail. They, they were going hot and heavy, guns a-blazing. They were all about missions and evangelism. And nowhere does the text say that they planted churches. But if you look closely, that is exactly what happened. By the end of chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas returned to each city that they had done that personal evangelism. And what we read is that they appointed elders in every church. So what started as personal evangelism, people came to faith, and then Paul and Barnabas were able to move on, and when they had returned, those new believers had gathered themselves together in churches as congregations. We we see the same thing in uh, chapters 18 through 20. In 18, they go to Corinth. In 19, they go to Ephesus. And by the time chapter 20 rolls around, they're able to go back to those cities, and Paul is able to call a meeting of the elders in those churches. So in response to the preached word and personal evangelism of Paul and Barnabas, those who came to faith gathered together as local churches. So so what we see throughout the entire book of Acts is that what began as gospel proclamation culminated in local congregations. The disciples sought not only to replicate themselves individually through converts, 
They sought to replicate themselves institutionally through congregations. The way that the disciples interpreted and applied the Great Commission started with personal evangelism, but it reached its fulfillment with the establishment and the planting of new churches, meaning that churches and church planting is at the center of God's Great Commission plan. Paul picked up on this in Ephesians 3, verse 10. He said that through the church is the manifold wisdom of God. Through those who have been brought to faith in Jesus Christ, those who have gathered together and covenanted together to pray for one another, to uh, be taught the word together, to encourage one another, to, to take the Lord's Supper by, through the church is the manifold wisdom of God made known. And so if we want the gospel to be made known to those who do not believe, and if we want to be faithful to fulfill the Great Commission, then we have to be committed to planting churches. Notice something. Notice the emphasis that Jesus put on making disciples. He didn't say, go share the gospel, have someone convert, and then you can wipe your hands and you are done. He said, make disciples. And so the goal isn't just converts, it's disciples who continue to grow in their relationship with the Lord. It's people who continue to follow Jesus and are conformed more into his image. So Jesus valued disciples a lot more than he valued decisions. And discipleship hasn't really begun until that new convert is placed in the context of a local congregation. You know, we, a lot of ink has been spilled and a lot of discussions have been had on, you know, what, what is a disciple and, and how do you define discipleship? Jesus defined the word for us right here. He said, make disciples, and then he defined it as someone who has been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so baptism is just a sign and a symbol of faith, and it, it serves as like the, the entryway into the church. It's the doorway that you symbolically go through to enter into the church. And having entered into the church, you now covenant together to submit yourself to the teaching of the whole counsel of God. You are baptized and you are taught to obey all that Christ has commanded. So that baptism and teaching is an act of the church. So the church is the primary context for discipleship. I like to think of it this way. Say you go on a short-term mission trip to a place with no gospel presence. There's not a single Christian and there is not a single church. So, so you go to this place and you share the gospel with someone and, and they come to faith. So they come to faith and then you go home. We'll, we'll think about what is going to happen to that young believer. That there's no one to teach them. There's no one to encourage them. There's no one to hold them accountable. There's no one to disciple them to help them grow in their relationship with the Lord. And so for the long-term health of that new believer... If he or she is going to grow in their relationship with Jesus, and if that area is going to have any hope of seeing the gospel take root, then a church must be planted there. Either that new believer is going to have to start a church, or a missionary and a missionary team is going to have to start a church. Otherwise, that new believer is ripe for being led astray. So gospel proclamation comes first. But if it does not result in gospel congregations, then the gospel itself will not take root. 
So, so we have to connect our missiology and our ecclesiology. We, we have to connect our going and our churching. It is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is made known. And the church and church planting is God's strategy for accomplishing the Great Commission. And that is what we as a church have committed ourselves to. So for the next few months, we're just going to be teaching and focusing almost exclusively on the mission of God. And so I think Mark said last week for the next month or so, we are going to be studying the book of Jonah, seeing God's heart and God's mission for reaching the nations, specifically for it going to people that you might not expect. And after Jonah, then we're going to be working through the book of Acts, looking more closely at how the disciples applied the Great Commission and how they planted churches. And Lord willing, that will lead us to plant another gospel-centered church. So for the last seven or eight months, we've been looking at Castle Rock. And as a lot of you know, just like all of you know, the Denver metro area, Castle Rock is absolutely booming right now. It, uh, I think it was the seventh fastest growing city uh, in America a year or two ago. And so just as people who want to be uh, faithful to disciple as many people as the Lord would bring us, that it just makes a, a, it makes a lot of sense for us to go down to Castle Rock. And uh, right from the outset, as we start to talk about church planting, uh, you know, publicly and, and as a church and as we, you know, take steps to, to move toward it, I, I do want to say at the outset that um, Castle Rock is not gospel-less right now. It, it is very easy, you know, as a pastor or as a missionary, as a believer who's seeking to share the gospel with an unreached place, that it is easy to think that I am going to be the one, or that we are going to be the one to bring the gospel to Castle Rock. We're going to do it. And that can just be a really arrogant way of ignoring the work that other faithful believers have been doing in that area. It's just easy to adopt a, adopt a Messiah or, or Savior complex that, that we're going to be the ones. And uh, I, just, I just want to be really careful about that on the front end. Um, we are simply joining in the work that other believers have been doing there for a long time. Um, so I'm not going to say that Castle Rock is gospel less, but it is in need of a lot more gospel-centered churches. So Lord willing, September 8th of 2019, about seven months from now, we are going to launch a church in Castle Rock. And some people have already been approaching us, asking questions, you know, saying, hey, we're really interested in this. We've kind of heard whispers about this. We, we would love to hear more about uh, the, the plans for the Castle Rock Church. We, we've already had people at, at great sacrifice to themselves and amongst a lot of unknowns already pick up their lives and move down there. People who just from, from the jump have said, we, we want to be a part of what God is calling us and this church to do. And so we are going to move to Castle Rock. We already have people living in Castle Rock, you know, probably 20 or 25 people, several families who, uh, you know, they've been coming to Redemption Parker, but they want to see a gospel-centered church planted in their hometown. And so we've been meeting as a gospel community, you know, sharing a meal, studying God's Word, praying, and encouraging one another. Um, so just so you know, over the next few months, through the spring and the summer, we'll be having some interest meetings. And um, honestly, that's about as many details as we have. We have a date and we have a desire. And um, still a lot more questions than answers. We, we just want to be faithful to seek the Lord and to seek his wisdom just kind of every, every step of the way. Uh, but, but to close, I simply want to ask everyone here to consider what God might be calling you to do. 
The great commandment applies to all of us. The church and church planting is a call that applies to all of us. It's not just for Mark, it's not just for Brad, it's not just for me, it is for every single Christian. And so I want to consider, or I want to ask you to consider how might God be calling you to invest in the kingdom through church planting. And I want to encourage you to be prepared for some gospel goodbyes, some hard gospel goodbyes, to be able to say, I have a lot of friends here, but I value the gospel more. And I want to see other people who do not know the Lord come to faith. You know, I want to die to my preferences and I want to see a gospel-centered church in that area. I know it's going to be a huge sacrifice, but the only thing that is worth saying goodbye for is the gospel. And so I just simply want to encourage everyone here to consider how the Lord might be calling you to join him in the work that he is already doing. And so towards that end, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for the grace that you have shown to Redemption Parker. Thank you for creating us as a church and for sustaining us. I pray that you would prick our hearts with some gospel urgency. Help us to be burdened for those who do not know you and to love you and to love your gospel and to love Jesus and his mission enough to give up everything. Lord, we ask that you would build your church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.